When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Cat Napsuck, so happy to finally be here talking about House of the Dragon, episode one, the pilot episode, if you will, the heirs of the dragon. I am not doing that alone tonight. Joining us and returning to Casterly Talk is Andres Cabrera and the one and only Alden Diaz. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Andres, good to see you, friend. Good to be back, man. Talking about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. So, so excited to get into this. Oh, it's amazing. Alden Diaz, we've been texting all day. Giddy as schoolboys. Giddy as schoolboys. How are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Better than I was earlier. And earlier, I was feeling pretty good. I texted you. It was dawning on me that it was today. Yeah. Uh, we've all just now seen it once, I think twice. I one and a half times. It's a whole thing. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's we're in a world now where there's a Game of Thrones show currently running. That's right. Amazing. House of the Dragon is here. Here's what we do over here on Casually Talk, if relatively new or just discovering us. This is just the uh, reactions, reviews, surface level stuff. That stuff's fun. We're going to talk about our favorite moments, things we love, maybe some things we didn't like, uh, things that we're hoping to see, all those kind of fun things. We love diving in deep, discussing what's on the screen, what's in the story for us to digest, the big themes, the lessons, the big moments, and of course, the things that connect to this world that we love so much. Uh, this episode, uh, written by Ryan Condal, written for television by Ryan Condal, who is is, of course, one of the showrunners and co-creators, credited co-creator, along with George R. R. Martin. And director is Miguel Sapochnik, also a showrunner. And man, you know, it was definitely a Sapochnik episode, and I mean that in mm-hmm. the best of ways. Quick summary of what we watched, and we'll dive right, right on in here. Viserys the first is the chosen heir to Jaehaerys first. Uh, she got to get selected to the Great Council of 101 over Rhaenys, meaning that Viserys did not necessarily seek the throne. The power and burden was given to him. We jump ahead to the 19th year of Viserys' reign, 172 years, of course, before the birth of Daenerys. Ver- Viserys for the first is wa- awaiting the birth of his son, who he strongly believes is the answer to a prophetic dream. There is peace in the land, but the inherent thirst for power and violence are bubbling all around him. But in the land, and not just in the land, but in also in his small council chambers. When his beloved wife and son die in childbirth, or at least the day of, Viserys first is faced with the horrible reality to choose between his rogue prince of a brother, who has very little support outside of Corliss Villard, or his daughter, which would break all the traditions in the land. Which choice will secure peace in the land, strengthening the line of succession, and keep the realm ready for the reality all the Targaryen kings of Westeros thus far have been burdened with? You must keep the realm together, for one day a threat from the north will endanger all of humanity together. All that is big, Andres. Alden, overall thoughts, Andres, I want to start with you. Uh, yeah, incredible first episode. So much information inside one episode, which is really yeah. cool. 
We got to explore Rhaenyra. We got to explore uh, the Great Council of 101, which I thought was really cool. Obviously, it yeah. was very short, but still, we got it, which is something that's amazing. And then we got to see the Damon dynamics, which is where I'm going to see a lot of Damon dynamics throughout this entire first season. <laughs> and then, obviously, the ending reveal, yeah. I can't get over it. Yeah. I, I just can't get over it. I uh, just thought it was so cool. I was like, wait a minute, Aegon? This yeah. is nuts. It's great stuff. We're going to go into that a little bit there, even play some uh, clips, read some stuff uh, that we got uh, Alden Research. But yeah, uh, uh, Damon Di- Dynamics, we got a hashtag or, or trademark that. That's like it <laughs> sounds like a good, uplifting, uh, like uh, Dianetics Scientology book. <laughs> Damon Dynamics. Yeah, all right. Alden, Alden, uh, yeah, fun. It's just fun to be back in this world. Doesn't mean we're not going to dig in a little deep, finds out things that we love, things that we didn't. But uh, man, uh, your overall thoughts on this episode. Well, my first overall thought is that I am finding out now on air what the title of the episode is. I didn't know it was called The Heirs of the Dragon. To be clear, uh, yeah, to be clear, I, I did kind of look that it, it could also be very wrong. <laughs> it's one yeah. of those things. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think that it was uh, a situation not dissimilar to Obi-Wan or Mandalorian. Like yeah. it got added after the upload, yeah. which is totally fine. Um, so that's yeah. just a cool note for me. But overall, I loved, loved this episode. Incredible yeah. start. Um, like Andres, like you were saying, dense, so dense, but also paced extremely well where I was like, wow, 101. Oh, we're here. Oh, we're there. Oh, this already. Oh my God. The death of mother and child in episode one. Like it was so much. Um, Mm. I mean, air for a day, the whole falling out in one episode. And I was amazed by how clean and smooth it was. And like you said, Ken, Sapochnik in the best way. That man put a camera right above the lance on a sword, on a horse, <laughs> going all the way in. And I was like, oh, this is Sapochnik to the, to the, to the um degree. I love it. I love uh, you reminded me they got the inside the feet, inside the episode featurette after. I had to go back and watch that. I, I was so excited uh, the first time. But the, to have Ryan Condor be like, yeah, that inner cut kind of uh, the the joust, the, the tourney and the, and the childbirth oh. scene, definitely Sapochnik thing. I was like, yeah, totally. It totally reminded me of uh, a season, uh, season six episode 10 with the Cersei and, and the wine sip of uh, revenge. Uh, great stuff there. Yeah. For me, I did an amazing job of setting out the, setting the pieces on the board, which any pilot's going to need to do or try to do or episode one, but there's a lot of pieces and a lot of history and, and a lot of fans returning. And, and we're, we're always here to talk to all sorts of fans and all sorts of perspectives, but without a doubt, the, this show will only succeed if the general fans return. And now I'm not talking about fans who had issues with the, the show before, just for like, Oh, cool. Dragons are back. Uh, I already had one of my friends text me. He's like, I thought that came out tomorrow. Oh, my God. I'm going to watch now. I'm so excited. I have known nothing about this. And this show had that burden. And I think it lived up to it there. I I did feel, uh, and I want to talk to you guys about this up top. I I felt like what I thought was, hear me out here, a lack of energy. Not in the I mean, so much energy all the way through it. But a lack of maybe warm energy that the 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 show uh, started with way back in 2011 and and you're always going to have those comparisons and we're here to break apart the two shows and, and keep mm-hmm. them on their own lines but it's hard you're back right and you're seeing a lot of things you're oh that's yeah. that's the thing that's where Ka- Cersei was on the map oh and you get so excited you get giddy um but mm-hmm. there wasn't like uh, Robert Baratheon Tyrion let it where right away it, it gave it their own so I just was like I want to hang out with that guy this was a little bit more, dare I say, stoic because I think it had the burden of so much information to get out. I don't know if I'm off base on that with you guys. Andres, do you think anything about that? I feel like a lot of that is is the characters too, right? Because we don't necessarily have a Tyrion Lannister type of character yeah. or a character that's like a fun-loving, cool guy that you kind of root for right away. 
Yeah. Because right away, you know that that's not necessarily who Damon is. And the, the show yeah. makes you want to be like, yeah, that guy's looking like the cool. It's like, no, Damon is not. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like that's the characters. And I feel like that's yeah. very, I feel like that's very fire and blood, though. I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of part of what the book is as well. Yeah. No, to be clear, I, I think I think it's uh, it's it's doing what it needs to do. Like yeah, Viserys kind of like the first time you meet Viserys, he's cracking a joke with his mates, his small council, this and that. And and. The, the time, the era, the story is not going to allow that warmth that he does have shine through. So I think in a way it's almost kind of the point. It's just in, in an era where you're going to have some fans returning going, uh, okay, okay. And I, I, I think this this is, a, uh, even though they've described it as a more intimate show in terms of character stuff, uh, it had a stoic, epic feel. Like the weight of the realm is, is on a lot of the folks here. And so I think it's it's both a success and just something that I, I felt noticed, you know? Alden? yeah. I completely agree with you. And I agree with Andres. Like it's character first in the best way. Mm-hmm. And that comes through like in game of Thrones. Um, we meet a lot of characters at a warmer place. You get to see right. Ned and Kat as loving parents. You get to see Tyrion as a, as a drunk and, and, you know, and, and a sex pest and like all this stuff. And, but then that, that was all robbed of these characters much earlier in their relevant arc we've seen Tyrion's darkest days way later in game of thrones some people's darkest days are now yeah. in house of the dragon some people's darkest days are today if you're viserys if you're oh my god Ama, i mean yeah I, not to jump so far ahead but i will say that that too for me is one of the most haunting things i've ever seen on tv right out of the gate um yeah. it's brutal and so yeah this, this series cannot by nature of what it is introduce you to anybody like there's no like rob and john yeah, ribbing, getting the haircut yeah. and all that. Like, it's not going to be that type of story. Um, and the energy that, you know, like, I love what you said, Andres. Like, they could have easily presented Damon as cool rebel, and they they almost do for a second, yeah. and then they yeah. hit you with the gold cloak scene. Yeah, and let you know this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, rip from the headlines. Yeah, great stuff. Now I love what you're both saying there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it like I said, it, it's just the weight of everything hits real fast. You, you get the idea. Viserys would just love to be having dinner, joking with everyone, but that's not what this is about. And mm-hmm. yeah, while trying la- to work on his model. Oh, which I love the love of that man. <laughs> it, it lacked the big stunning reveals of of of, of GOT one, right? The White Walkers, uh, Cersei uh, and Jamie. That was quite a reveal. And then, of course, what happened with Bran. Uh, but this came off as to me as a more complete uh, vision of what the the show is, what the show we're going to get, and that's time experience. A little bit of budget. I hate to throw budget in there. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones didn't have an unlimited mm-hmm. budget in the end. But, you know, you, you you got some folks who know what they're doing and know what they want to do with this show. It's the second time out, right. in a way. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's dripping with confidence, I think. That was a word mm. that I, I thought of. And we know, as three fans, people watching Casually Talk, we know that the original Game of Thrones pilot was never seen, and that's uh, a 90 to 95% reshoots. And I yeah. love that pilot. I think it's one of the best ones ever. But yeah. this is one where you can feel it. They're like, you all know King's Landing. We're happy to be back. You're happy to be back. Let's go. Yeah. Love it. Let's dive into the big moments. And and saying this up top, uh, we have Andres uh, for a shorter time tonight. He's uh, he's d- a double booked, which I am so thankful he took the time to come on the show tonight. I also want to acknowledge this show and this season are going to address a lot of uh, big uh, hot topic uh, kind of conversation pieces around gender and gender roles. And we're going to have a lot of conversations about childbirth and everything. And we're, we, could, we, we in this panel tonight can only discuss our own perspectives. Uh, don't worry, this panel is going to represent a lot of different folks all the way through the season. But this is 
is uh, us talking about it tonight. I just want to acknowledge that up top, to be honest about where we come from. Um, I have uh, currently not given childbirth, so I'm not going to speak from experience uh, when we talk about Emma's uh, horrendous end. Um, but let's get into some big moments. Ace, I want to start with you. Where do you go first? What were some big moments? What themes poured out of those moments? I mean, I think you just named it. <laughs> no, that, I, that's, I um, want to go into it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. When, uh, uh, that was horrific. My God. Emma's uh, mm. uh, death that we, we hear about, obviously, in Fire and Blood, but the, the way yeah. they described it in the show, and the way they did it in the show is way more specific. Um, yeah. and way more detailed as far as the desperation for his son. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's exactly what the realm is built on. It's built on having a male heir going all the way back to the Great Council of Vodun One with Rainies and with Viserys. Mm-hmm. That is kind of the theme of the entire episode. Probably the theme of the entire show mm-hmm. is probably going to be that gender role and gender reveal as far as who gets to sit on the Iron Throne. Is it the yeah. firstborn or is it the firstborn male heir? So uh, that that scene, like you said, intercut with the tourney. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. nuts. A sub- nuts. Yeah, a, really a, well done. Sapochnik special. Yeah, without a doubt, Alden, it's this, this play of violence. It's the violence of the land. It's the violence, the senseless violence of men thirsting for power interplayed with, with women on, on what is their battlefield in this world. That's why Ama has that bath uh, conversation with, with her daughter. Uh, kind of the sense of duty. There's a lot of what traditional roles and what you're expected to do, maybe what some of the characters don't want to do. Renera's honest of that up up top makes her kind of endearing, at least at this point in her life. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a beautiful use of just violence and how violence is is uh, tearing apart everyone in this land, quite literally in some tragic cases. So I love the use of that. Uh, you all? Yeah, the implications of violence are as important in this mythology as they are as as actual violence is actual violence decides a lot of things in game of thrones but what it all means and to have two characters corliss and rainy sitting there at the tourney yeah. talking about how x y and z individuals you know there mm-hmm. in in the fields don't know war they don't yeah. remember the days they don't they've never heard the stories it's they're too far away from it to really understand what's happening and you yeah. combine that with Ama's scene with Viserys when she's in the bath mm-hmm. and she's apologizing for not being able to deliver on what she feels is her duty and mm-hmm. the sadness and the feeling like a failure, giving that characterization to her mm-hmm. before she goes out was just, just compounded that pain for me as a viewer. I, you really came to know and love her very quickly. Mm-hmm. She's extremely kind She's extremely, it seems like there's a lot of love there. You get a wonderful mother-daughter scene. So for yeah. her to go out in that way is hard. And I think that, a, I think what I love about the script is that a lesser script would have, you would have come out of that scene really angry with Viserys for making the choice for what we know in modern science as a C-section, as a cesarean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the maester is describing it as, you know, there's a way that we could just get the baby. And I think that I was ready to be angry with Viserys. I was. But then you really consider what is said. It's either they will both die. Her life, it's over. There's Mm -hmm. no question here, King Viserys. What you are choosing is, do we attempt to save another life? And that's what I think preserved. It was very smart. It preserved his position. So when he grieves, you grieve. Um, And it preserved the horror, too. And I thought that it just came together beautifully. 
Yeah, and I'll kick it to you here, Andres, real quick. It's so funny. We're being, you know, the three of us here always are going to be honest about our own perspectives and this and that here. Uh, my fiance absolutely hates Viserys right now. <laughs> is uh, is absolutely yeah. horrified uh, by uh, the reality. And, and it's even going into the show, they had some interviews about what they were going to show about um, uh, childbirth being a 50-50 proposition. And that's just not, uh, not uh, that's not good. It's not good. And that's a reality to even our own world. And it's still a dangerous endeavor. Uh, so I don't say that to to counter or belittle your thought there, Alden. It's just a, yeah, no. it's it's interesting to 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 see that, and and I think um, yeah. uh, the how people view Viserys is uh, could be yeah. wildly different. But I also think the choice, and and, and they talk talk about it. And I will, I promise, Andres, I'm going to kick it to you here in a second. Uh, but uh, Condal talking after the show about it. yeah, it, it it she's gone either way, which is also kind of the point of the scene. She's already in that spot. She's already yeah. placed in that spot. And that she's bat- on the way out. She's right. on, yeah, and, and, and that's... And to be clear, to yeah. be clear, just before we kick it to Andres, I do want to say, for everyone out there <laughs> that is angry at Viserys, I understand. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not trying to throw creator explanations at you to tell you to not be. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's a devastating moment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Andres, I'm sorry. Jump in here. I, I think it's the <laughs> torture of Ama yeah. that is the hardest part. Absolutely. Because if she wasn't getting horrifically tortured mm-hmm. to death, because that's kind of what it is, being held down and cut open is being tortured to death. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it almost so unforgivable. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I feel like the acting afterwards from the Viserys actor, I forget his name. Patty Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. He sells the, the amount of burden that he's almost a changed man after doing that. He can't. Mm-hmm look at himself he can't feel himself it's it's just a complete yeah. transformation and i feel like the acting in the show yeah. already by everyone is phenomenal mm-hmm. to to that because point, the son that he mm-hmm. sorry no, no oh well, quickly to that point yeah i think that andres has an excellent observation after that moment whether or not you yourself want to uh, uh throw him down a well or not or off the wall um he he <laughs> emerges uh a little bit different in the sense of up until then how to keep the peace is one of the themes we'll discuss here in this episode tonight how to keep the peace and he's he reviewed as a weak queen uh a weak weak, uh, weak queen king you know what i'm saying man i've got too many words in my mind tonight he's reviewed as a weak king because he wants to make everyone happy and you see that a lot and then after that he does what he feels is right because I think he saw up front, uh, the, you know, just what happened. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting maybe off the track, Andres. But I agree with your point. I think he emerges different after that. All Absolutely. The, I mean, yeah, yeah, just to build on what both of you are saying, he's rattled and he's changed. And us as an audience member, what we're engaging with is our rage at what he did. And we're mad at him. But then we pull it back and we're mad at the situation. A lot of this mm-hmm. and even all the way. I mean, they, they do that wonderful 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen, which I loved. That was yeah. that was our little a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away moment. I loved all of that. And um, I it, it made me think a lot about the burden of the era in which you're born. Like mm-hmm. we know that because these characters are in this medieval world, that there's nothing we can do about that. And it is that 50-50 toss and she's already dead. Um, she's a dead yeah. woman walking and it's yep. and it's. It's terrifying, and it it robs. You get this whole juxtaposition of of Viserys's confidence that it's going to be a boy. I know it is. I dreamt it. Here's what my dream was. I'm so excited. It's what I've always wanted. Other people talk about how it's what he's always wanted, and then he can't even name this baby. 
with mm-hmm. any joy in his voice. He's his lips are quivering when he says yeah. Balon. And then I think what we don't see is as horrific as what we do see, because you know, if you know the lore, you're like, and that baby's not gonna last the rest of the day. And then yeah. boom, you don't even see the baby die. He's gone. Yeah. You get a little bit of a baby cough. Yeah. Um, which I think was sort of the little oh no. And then we're at the funeral. And I think that those hard cuts mm-hmm. to a broken yeah. are are very, very effective. Now, I love that. And it all t- ties into something I'm sure we're going to discuss all through the season. I, I think, uh, Andres, you said it very well. It's going to be a, an overriding theme. Uh, Amos serves as kind of the signpost of what potentially is in front of Alicent and Rhaenyra and, and what you are expected to do as women in this realm and w- women in King's Landing even more specifically. And you see, you know, going into the, I, I, I failed you. I can't, this is probably the last go around. You know, I can't watch, can't bury more, any more kids. I can't watch any more, uh, you know, pregnancies go. And, and she's telling uh, Viserys that as if it's a failure, as if just her, her sole existence was this and she's failed at it. And then you've got Rhaenyra kind of going, yeah, I don't want to have kids. I want to be, I want to be a knight. I want to ride dragons. I want to do that. And you have Allison kind of <sighs> sucking up what her father wants to do, which is a scene we'll talk about of just like, we got these traditional roles and how are you going to approach it when you've got this signpost, uh, Amos' horrific death, I think, uh, in front of, uh, hangs over both of them, I think. I think. I don't know. Andres, any yeah, more on this yeah, scene? I mean, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. Go for it. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, when we get into the auto scene, we're going to have thoughts. That's all I wanted to say. Just just teasing the fact that, uh, oh, God, that guy. <laughs> auto, auto thoughts, which are also like Damon Dynamics. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Andres, what else? Are you feeling anything more about that scene or anything else jumping out to you? Uh, no, I think that's I think that it's just the brutality of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they start this is episode one. Yeah, damn, I was like, damn, this is brutal. And yeah. obviously we've seen brutality in Game of Thrones, but seeing how brutal that death was yeah was a huge deal an an intercut with this this um violence rooted in in um you know uh powerful uh, masculinity run amok uh this senseless violence full of pride and and false uh, you know summer there's either knights of summer right here type of idea coming out of rainies here they, they ain't, this is an army that hasn't bled and to see that versus this true horrific death that was supposed to be for this great birth this great purpose yeah i, I think it was mm-hmm. the core of the episode for me mm. let's though talk about one thing at the end uh we're gonna jump all around here folks like i said this is a deep dive discussion on the themes and a lot more we do want to talk about this reveal at the end which is this vision of Egg on the Conqueror that, hey, uh, we need to go conquer this land because, one, I'd love to conquer some land. It looks right for the conquering. But also, <laughs> I think I have uh, this vision of, of why I need to do it. And and we're going to make we'll play a little clip here of where it kind of comes from. And, and all and you can talk a little bit more of the research and, and, and who kind of helped you with that research. Let's get some credit out there. But I love how it it really does... Uh, slide into uh, this big uh, theme of this burden of power. Viserys, again, is not someone who went ne- necessarily went out to crave this power. Uh, Jaehaerys is a, is a peacetime king. Viserys is is chosen uh, in this vote, 20 to 1, according, according to some of the lore. Um, and so he he's given this burden. And it might show he has a different way of looking at it there. And then to add in this angle, I think it's beautiful. It's fun. It's a little cheeky. Of course, he's got the, you know, the dagger that we know Arya is going to, you know, use to kind of bring this prophecy on home here. And we got the song of ice and fire. We got John, we got Danny, we got all these wonderful things that are going to make us all just have a lot of fun connecting the dots, but it is about the burden of power. And it's this burden that cannot be shared 
you must keep this secret in there, just like as I have and of all the kings before me. And he's sitting on this throne that's literally killing him. Um, I just thought there was a great, a great why for the use of this prophecy, you know? Yeah, I'm absolutely inclined to agree. I don't know if you wanted to play the clip and then we dive in. Yeah, if you want to dive in before the clip. Um, Yeah, let's roll this clip now here. And and, uh, this comes from and I'm going to give it's I've seen it on the YouTube channel uh, just simply called Aegon the Targaryen, Aegon Targaryen. So I guess Aegon has his own YouTube channel. It's great. No, I've watched some clips on this (laughs) channel before uh, and I don't know the original source. So uh, we'll try to find that out here. But here is uh, George talking about it, because, yes, this is something kind of dare we say, new-ish, and one of those things where we're kind of like, wait, scratch your head, have we heard this before? And here's kind of where mm-hmm. it kind of came from. Um, they began to take more interest in the uh, affairs of Westeros, and Aegon finally decided to take over Westeros and unify the seven kingdoms that existed at the time under a single rule. There is a lot of speculation that, in some sense, he saw what was coming 300 years later, and wanted to unify the Seven Kingdoms to be better prepared for the threat that he eventually saw coming from the North. The threat that we're dealing with in A Song of Ice and Fire. There you go. All right. That's kind of, uh, that's fun. A little aside from George (laughs) Alton, you have a little bit more and uh, let us know where you got this information from. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to my friend Edgar Ortega, who's a writer for Loud and Clear Reviews and the co-host of the Where Heartbreak Feels Good podcast. Um, and he's a big Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire lore head. And he was like, I said, is this is this from text or is this a show edition? And within five minutes, he's, oh, it's actually from an interview with Martin from uh, this time. I was like, wow, yeah. incredible pull. Uh, and additionally, uh, Polygon, uh, who's the entertainment website, Polygon, they ran a quote from Condal, who said that actually came from Martin, at least the origin of that point. He told us very early on in the room, just as he does, just casually mentioned the fact that Aegon the Conqueror was a dreamer who saw a vision of the White Walkers coming across the wall and sweeping over the land with cold and darkness. So with his permission, of course, we infused that into the story because it was a great way to create some resonance with the original show. Mm-hmm. Which, two points about Martin mm-hmm. that are kind of the same point. What a hilarious man. Like, I really, I think he is so fascinating. (laughs) The fact that he can introduce mega lore, mega important recontextualizations with casual attitude in the room. But even in that interview, there's uh, some speculation. That would be like George Lucas in the 80s saying, there's some speculation that Vader was once a Clone Wars war hero, but I don't know. (laughs) Like, what do (laughs) you... <laughs> some but, speculation you're you yeah you're you who's speculating but they, which i love i mean that, and that's the spirit of fire and blood is yeah. the maybe 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 that happened. maybe it, it's uh, like it's this like this show being yeah. the account is yeah. the thing yeah i love it uh yeah it's like dj and last jedi maybe uh andres this jumped out to you you were texting us about this what do you think i thought this was huge i i my reaction watching it live i was like wait a minute we've never heard this yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing of this. At least I, I, I did, and and I kind of I kind of did a scroll on Twitter to see if anyone was freaking out or was it just me? It's just me. Uh, <laughs> just apparently, me. everyone else is like, "Oh, that's a cool name drop, a song of ice and fire." I'm like, "But Aegon having that vision okay. and kind of taking it upon himself to unite Westeros in order to defeat an, an army of the dead that came from a cold winter, like." I've never heard that. And I was like, Aegon having that vision and partly doing his conquest, partly because of defeating the White Walkers. 
Yeah. That's it, huge. It, it, it takes it to a lot of spots because this even this whole kind of show begins with uh, uh, Viserys' own kind of prophecy, the one he's telling to his dream that he's telling Emma, the, the one of uh, putting his son on the throne. And uh, we know prophecies are big in Game of Thrones and uh, Song of Ice and Fire, just the world of Westeros and Essos. And how often it's how you interpret them. Everyone can look at the sky and see a red com- comet and see it as something different. So this idea of the weight of prophecy, the weight of dreams, uh, fate foretold, and, and, and does that color your choices? Uh, it's the old destiny and fate conversation. And I, I believe destiny is just something that takes you to your next big choice. Uh, but sometimes uh, you might make a decision based on what you feel you need to do for prophecy. So Aegon does this. It's almost this weird, dare I say, manifest destiny kind of approach. He's going to conquer this land to save it in a weird way. Uh, but then to take that and to really this burden of, of the, the throne, this burden of leadership, and, and this what hangs over all of this. The realm is about to be ripped apart, but Aegon, the one who started this whole uh, team, <laughs> is saying, we must be together, we must stay together, and you must do anything to keep everyone together, and we're about to go in the biggest civil war, you know, on this land so far to this point. So just a fascinating use of it. It, it is truly not just a name drop. It has great meaning, and, and I'm right, I'm with you, Ace. I, 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 I kind of did the old sit-up in the chair, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, I immediately, like Ace, like you can, I just immediately was, I had that wonderful moment of everything's different now um, <laughs> in, in ways, because I was already, already, you're already in the mindset and, and yeah. some great visual storytelling. You're already in the mindset of the weight of the throne, not just because we've seen what happens to that throne, shout out to Drogon, but also because we're seeing yeah. Uh, he's got a he's got a sword nick on his back, yeah. and he gets another one on his finger, and it's like the throne is having literal effects on you, symbolic of the actual weight of the crown of the of the weight of that role, and then all of a sudden, boom! Here's the real weight yeah. of that role. Here's here's and and the best thing is that it, it's a it's an answer that raises more questions. Mm-hmm. Did the song get all the way down mm-hmm. to Ares and Rhaegar and Robert Baratheon? Perhaps, perhaps not. Didn't Baylor burn a lot of lore? Didn't such and such rediscover some lore, Rhaegar? Like, yeah. who, who knows when this song ends and stops? But what I love is that it's sort of, I mean, we're here. We're open about it. Three season eight defenders. We have qualms. We have different opinions and everything. But the the season eight ending point that some consider to be too cheesy, too cute, and too on the nose of Samuel Tarly mm-hmm. saying, hey, I forget the maester's name, but say, hey, maester such and such just wrote this book. It's called The Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. My first thought when this episode was over was that Maester knew. That Maester knew someone <laughs> talked. Someone talked because it said, you know, kings and heirs yeah. know this. Did the Mad King know this? Is that Was this what happens when you give a paranoid, mentally ill person this part of this information. Well, you know, does he become that? Maybe that's why the Mad King was shouting, burn them all, burn them all, which is part of uh, what a lot of f- people had fun speculating there. Yeah, because I got to think Robert Brathian either didn't know this or didn't care, right? Or wasn't telling anyone, is <laughs> what mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's like he's not, uh, he's not in the, the family line that kept this. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it adds to the duality, right? The, the madness or greatness of House Targaryen that yeah. we talk about. It's, Yes, they dominated for so long because they could. Yeah. But there's also the knowledge that only they had, which is that they believe they should. And right. and believing that you should, as Damon shows, is a theme that is ripe for exploration because it is such a quick path to darkness. I think that I should be this. Yeah. And I, I just love that it puts this 
heroic sort of complication over everything that they've done um, all the way up to Danny. You tie that in with the fact that they opened with the Danny shout and it's gold. It's fun. It's fun and it's deep and it's purposeful. And I love it there. Andres, uh, final thoughts of that or anything else you want to go? I know we're going to lose you here in a little bit and I want to make sure I get all your thoughts. Yeah, I definitely I want to focus on this just because it's yeah. the moment that I freaked out the most. You love but, it. But part of it, too, is like, uh, it, it, did it reach Rhaegar? Obviously, we saw that vision with uh, Danny, but in the book with, uh, right. mm-hmm. I, I think he mentions A Song of Ice and Fire. I think that was Rhaegar um, from Danny's POV. Yeah. And then the second thing I had in my head was the idea that dragons are key in order to win this war. Yeah. And the fact that a dance of dragons or the dance of dragons that we know kind of had a hand in eliminating dragons. So this civil war that we're about to see is actually a detriment to humanity itself because dragons are what the Targaryens feel Mm. is what's going to help them in order to fight back this giant evil that's coming. And I was just like, it's all connected. (laughs) It's it's crazy. It just blew my mind. I love what you just said there, buddy. I love what you said there because there's – both in, in nice ways and in challenging ways, I've I've heard the question and the question's been just directly asked of me. It's like, well, okay, but why should we care about this show? What What's, as a Game of Thrones fan, why should I care? And, well, it's a dance of the dragons and it's just kind of fun, this and that. But now you can kind of have this overriding arc. And I don't think it's a simple, just a, a simple concept. I think some of us are talking about the dance of the dragons is going to lead to eventually, and we still got 172 years and that's been clear, but it's, it's going to lead to the destruction of this dynasty. There's that great line you could have baratheon's tongue for that tongues will not uh, change the success- succession let them wag the baratheon is gonna be the dude that does it <laughs> you know it's like the, the, yes it's, it's yes it's, it's right there, there. Was that yeah. and the baratheon lord that's supposed to swear fealty is the only one that has a that actor shout out to that actor whoever you are i should have grabbed your name uh he takes a beat he's the only one that takes a beat yeah corliss doesn't yeah. Uh, the High Tower, uh, Lord, yeah. Lord Stark doesn't. High Tower yeah. doesn't. But the Baratheon is about to bend the knee, and he kind of takes a second. And I was like, "Ooh, you sneaky stags, yeah. you!" Yeah, and you it's sneak. And to me, and Andres, I don't know if you agree with it. It's it, it is. I think it's way more than wink and nod stuff. I think it is connecting mm-hmm. it in big ways. Oh yeah, I, I think this is why I'm so outraged right now on GOT Twitter, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's the name," <laughs> and I'm just like, "It's." freaking Aegon having a vision and uniting yeah. the dragons and yeah. that's part of the reason why he felt that he had to be on the throne because he only had the key to defeating this evil which is a dragon because uh, we know dragon fires can yeah. burn whites yeah that is huge and that's why i was like the vision yeah. Aegon, well, all this kind of coming back together yeah. with game of thrones yeah you, enormous. You, you've got viserys given this this wonderful you know kind of lesson a hard and and maybe mistimed lesson to renera i love what she's like you haven't even spoken to me and he's like i got something to tell you uh we got bigger <laughs> things to worry about than your feelings uh yeah they said we should have trifled with this power we the idea that we control uh, dragons is, is basically this lie it's this illusion but we need them and they need them for what's to come and you're right andres you said it they end up losing them and we're left without them except for uh, the three that are, uh, uh, you know, growing up in Essos with Mama. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. fun. It's big. And it's way more than just that. Hey, that's that show you watched. It's, it's got and a to lot build of off of that, to build off your points, Ace, and and, and that about uh, about I was going to say Patty, about Patty uh, and Millie, uh, mm-hmm. about uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra there is that. There is no, and the beauty of, of all prophecies, there's prophecies in most fantasy, the prophecies yeah, in Game of fun. Thrones. 
Ask Stannis Baratheon about prophecies. They are there to be misread narratively. I mean, that's why yeah. like writing professors will tell you that. They're yeah. there to be fallible. Um, and you inject fallibility into your story. You you let everybody, like you said, Ken, I love that shout out to the red comment. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it means this. Right. I know that because God told me. And it's yeah. like, well, well they, it, did they? It, it means this. Uh, and I'm going to do things based on my belief of what that comment does, is, is right. telling me. Yeah, it's dangerous. And what's great yeah. is that what the information I've I've read now, people, people, you know, people that had the press screeners ran their articles immediately that had Viserys's dialogue nowhere in there. Does he know, or did Aegon know, and presumably any king when? So every Targaryen king since Aegon thinks they're the one that's going to have to fight this. So yeah. you you show me the episode of this guy, and you're like, why are you trying to please everyone, man? Stop pleasing. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I get why you're pleasing. Because you yeah. need a unified house. Yeah, it's the burden of a pressure. Andres, we are going to take a break on the podcast side uh, and uh, say goodbye to you shortly. But any final thoughts in this first episode or maybe uh, what you're thinking about uh, episode two? I'm so excited for everything that's to come. I'm excited to see dragon action. I'm excited to see more politics, more Corleys. I'm already attached to the actor that's playing him. Yeah, uh, Shout out to my house. My house is Valarian now, at least for this show. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I'm just excited. I'm just so pumped for the show. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. And we're going to have you on talking uh, more and more. Uh, before we take this break on the podcast side, again, we'll roll through on the video side. Make sure you're following Andres, but also all the stuff you're doing over there on First Cut, because you, uh, Andres are going to be doing kind of uh, mini discussions on this uh, uh, stuff over there as well, right? Yeah, First Cut, we're going to do, it's probably going to be on Instagram Reels, yeah. and probably on TikTok, and then Love on it. YouTube, I'm going to, I want to put, uh, House of the Dragon discussion. It's like five minutes long, so make sure you guys check it out. So I'm probably going to be editing that later on tonight. Yeah, super late. Uh, super late. We'll let him nice. get to that, and uh, he's going to be here with us as well as he has been before. Andres is one of the deepest, most insightful uh, commentators out there in this space. If you're just kind of seeing him, uh, his takes on Star Wars, his takes on Game of Thrones and other properties are very valuable and very insightful and very fun. One of my favorites. Andres, thank you for uh, stopping by on the show tonight. All right. Appreciate we'll you guys. Bye. Have a good night. Peace out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are uh, rolling on here on uh, the video side, and welcome back on the podcast side. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, you know, simulcasting a baseball game, Alden. You're doing a great job. I mean, that that, that was that was pretty seamless. He's gone. <laughs> we banished him. He's now. I love Andres. Number one, number one fan of Baelish. That guy, number one fan. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, we haven't. We I I I was gonna, and there was a tech delay that I was I, for me before we started recording tonight that we lost a little time with Andre. So I'm, I'm angry at myself because I did want to ask him if just seeing that cat's paw dagger again uh, brought up any feelings yeah. in his Baelish loving heart. We'll ask yeah. him next time. <laughs> it's also the the sweet choice from Sapochnik and and Patty Considine to grip the cat's paw dagger as the story <laughs> is delivered too, which. It's like, does does he know that Valyrian steel is something? Did Aegon talk about yeah. that too? Yeah. Because you get the idea that whatever's being passed down, mm-hmm. he's, he, it's, it's, a, it's a brief moment. There's business yeah. to attend to. Maybe later he sits down with her and he's like, and by the way, here are all the bullets and some bullets <laughs> of uh, what I actually know. But yeah, I mean that changes everything. But there's yeah, yeah, there's it, so much to talk about. Here. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's fun, and and I love the quote you got from from Condal in this interview. I'm so thankful to your buddy to so uh, just quickly pointing that out because uh, yeah. you know again I've 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 read Fire and Blood, I've read the maps, I've read this, I've read the books, and I just had that like, man, did I just miss that? I don't recall that at all. But it's just a little tiny piece of information from George that 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 again I think is used with great purpose. Uh, this idea of the burden of power, which I love a little detail there, and you and I can start to getting into more of the themes. The Saris and his, we were joking about on the live show, having his like miniature, his his miniature train town, as I called it, mm-hmm. but building a model of, uh, of just King's Landing, which to me represents the, the realm and him just always thinking about the realm. The realm is there and he's always whittling with it, sculpting it, fixing it, because this is the burden of this thing well, that he was given. Not to not to step on your point because I love your point, but his model is old Valyria. Yes, sorry, um, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, but yes. but you're but you're still right. You're still right. Yes. I mean, it it still works for him because is it is is he is he fiddling with this realm? No, but it's right. still his grand perspective. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no. He's I, obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. I, he's I, obsessed I'm, with. Uh, I'm going to scroll down okay. to my notes, Alden, where I can read what I actually wrote myself. <laughs> it's it's look, yeah, la- la- ladies, gentlemen's friends. It's 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 late. It's, uh, it's but the yeah. the way that he reveres Balerion, and he was Balerion's last yes. rider. Yes. Um, the way that he reveres Balerion as being the last person to see their ancestral home. The way that he um, looks at this model. Uh, he's making the one to one. So you're still right. I mean, he is looking at the way that that realm fell versus yeah. this realm, which is you know cannot fall based on what he knows. It can't. Yeah. If yeah. it does, the world falls. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's, he, you know, believes you have to look to the histories uh, as best to learn, move forward and keep perfect, pr- protecting, which is why he makes this tradition breaking decision to put uh, Renera in, in line, uh, which is, as we've already learned pretty early on, uh, just as Randy's, yeah, it's against tradition. Uh, and, and a lot of folks can have some peri- uh, opinions about that, but yeah, Balerion under the skull of Balerion. It wasn't again just not just a hey, we've seen that skull, we've heard. No, it's it's pretty powerful. He's the last one to ride this creature that was the last to see old Valeria for all it was worth, the greatness and the flaws, and then to have him yet yeah, then in his uh, chambers whittling away at this thing that keeps him up at night, and how he's always focused on it, and goes into other themes that we're going to talk about: blood and where the loyalties lie, family, duty, the realm, all these wonderful themes. But to have it in this miniature. Of old Valeria, thank you for correcting me there on, on the fly. Um, the idea that the doom of Valeria can be repeated. You must mind the histories. I always go to George Lucas's quote uh, when he's talking in the prequels, and he says, "You can mess these up." I made American Graffiti; it made like two cents. <laughs> you can mess this up, and here's here's the Viserys in the food court having Sabaro Sabaro thinking about old Valeria, going, <laughs> "This can happen again if we're not careful." 
No, I mean that, that. Yeah, those entire every mention of Valeria of the home during the scene where Allison visits him, which we will get into. Yeah, uh, I, I kept hearing the beautiful voice of Jorah Mormont, the Doom of Valeria, and all that <laughs> men had lived. The Doom consumed it all alike. Yeah, like it just it's it's lingering over he, these events mm-hmm. in a way that it and, and appropriately the yeah. events of the Song of Ice and Fire, like Game of Thrones, are are further down. And yeah. so there is a more of a distance there. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyrion and Jorah, they're talking about old Valyria um, like a fable they learned about as boys. Whereas he has A, this knowledge, and B, this ancestry, and C, recency, more recency. Yeah. Um, and it's pain. And and if you go to the, the beginning of the Great Council, which I loved, we talked about this in our, yeah. our hype party, would it be an episode? Would it be the prologue? And it is a prologue. And yeah. uh, Emma Darcy... I can't tell actually. Is it Emma Darcy or is it Millie that narrates that? I believe I um, believe it was Emma Darcy. I think I think sounds they were a little the voice. older. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they were the voice there, but yeah, yeah. Not not sure. It would make yeah. sense. It would make sense if it was uh, Emma. Had a little bit of like uh, a little bit of you and I were joking about. You know, this was this was us nineteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it had that vibe, and and I will give a shout out here. I just found this out. This is breaking news Uh-oh. for me. Uh, our friend Brandon, uh, Brandon Winerdy from Talking Bay 94, pointed out that King Jaharis was played by Bib Fortuna himself, Michael Carter from Return of the Jedi. Wow. So shout out to him. There you go. Shout out to him. <laughs> uh, old Bib sitting there. They want a wanga. I got to figure out this air. That's great. <laughs> That's great. What a wonderful piece of British casting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is so British. It keeps it keeps that uh, World of Ice and Fire Star Wars connection going all the way through. Uh from Veers, yeah. Veers and beyond. That's great. But yeah, I mean, he's sitting there mm. and by the end, it's like you rewatch the episode twice. I rewatched the episode almost yeah, twice. About, yeah, you get back twice. to that beginning yeah. and you're like Oh my god, this is so important! Like you, <laughs> you yeah. start to realize again. Yeah. Like everyone's sitting there. Those looks between yeah. Rainey's and her cousin Viserys, and yeah. his look of regret. Like I'm sorry, I passed you up on this. I didn't really want to, but also what, it's the law. Yeah. What, um, what, what do you what, what, what do you think about that? And, and and how it's really been? It's really um, it's it's really apparent in, in in what they're trying to tell in this episode. And and to be clear, I think I think that in 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 the after the episode, a little featurette, they talk about this about. You know, Viserys wasn't one of those uh, who went out to get the throne. He wasn't even in line for it. And then the two, uh, you know, his two brothers die. And, uh, 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 you know, here's where we're at. Jaharis' son died. And here's where we're at. So I, what, what, do you, what do you take from that being central to this episode? That Viserys didn't necessarily crave this. He was given this. I think it's a fascinating intro to an idea that I hope that they explore throughout. Because mm. even the men, the men that are closest in this. You have Viserys and his brother and Viserys and his hand. Mm -hmm. And all three of them have different feelings and perspectives on this. And Viserys, we believe, and we are told, and and I'm inclined to agree with the fact that he didn't want it. I mean, I I think that's how Patty plays it, for sure. I think the performance is wonderful there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he does just want what's best for the family. And then, and he didn't want it before he found out what it meant. Yeah. Because kings and heirs know this. Yeah. Kings and heirs. So you got to assume Jaehaerys pulled him aside after that and was like, oh, and by the way, by the way, um, and yeah. that's that's the darkness of it. But Otto's line, probably my favorite line of the episode, mm. um, and I am paraphrasing, should have jotted it down. 
Um, but uh, the gods have yet to make a man that didn't crave power or that didn't crave absolute forget, power. You know, I, yeah. yeah, crave, crave yeah. absolute power. Um, yep. Wonderful, uh, important line. One of those lines that uh, both Grace and I kind of went, ooh, like and some hard kind of telling on yourself there, Mister Hightower. Kind of telling on yourself. Yeah. Um, well, which was yeah. an interesting, interesting beat there because I mean, I, I don't know if you're if you're down to jump into the Allison stuff now. Yeah, well, um, I would, yeah, I wouldn't talk. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's dive into it. There's, there's other uh, great, big, exciting moments. Uh, we talked about a lot of them. Um, uh, there uh, was, uh, yeah. yeah let's. Uh, we had a nice format, but I'm just so excited to want to get to the big stuff, and I don't want to leave Allison behind because this is a, a character that has been positioned um, outside, looking in as. She becomes kind of an antagonist, kind of a villain. Even some of the performers, Olivia Cook, uh, talking about some of the connections to Cersei. And it's so easy to uh, call her just this angry woman. And uh, Emily Carey had a great interview. Uh, I was watching them talk about this. And they said it's so important to see her as a, as a teen, the role I play. Because you're going to see the who, what, and where, and why of of her turning into that, and maybe you'll see it as more as more of that. I'm paraphrasing at this point, uh, so it's valuable to start here with that character, so that you have not just those famous Game of Thrones shades of gray, but you have a you have a big why as to what she's going to do later on and some of the stuff with her. And we're going to get that with Renera too. We're seeing that as well. But anyways, I think Allison's important. So let's dive in. What do you think about Allison and the scenes here? I think that not only is Emily Carey brilliant, Allison was my favorite character outside of Damon because that's kind of like my. That's like when people ask you who your favorite Batman villain is. You got to put the Joker on a shelf. Like, I got to keep Damon over here because he was already my guy going into this. But Allison was like my biggest surprise, mm. uh, my biggest point of intrigue. I thought that she was wonderful. I sympathize with her. I was endeared to her. What That scene of them studying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can, can you still call it a God's wood if there's only one big tree? I don't know if it's <laughs> yeah. the God's wood of King's Landing. It counts. But it counts. Look, yeah. if, I, if I have one hot dog for dinner, it's a hot dog dinner. So there you go. I mean, that's going to be the quote of this episode. And people are going to be like, what is he talking about? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. That, you're out there, you studying. know, what'd you have for dinner you, last night? A hot dog is still hot dogs. Hot dogs. God's very similar. God's very similar. God's God's wood. Where would trees? It's all the same. Hot dogs. A song of gods and hot dogs. <laughs> that's exactly um, it. But yeah, I mean, that scene of Rhaenyra, who clearly does have the knowledge and the know-how and the care and everything. And she shows that by the end of the scene when she's like, by the way, I did study. Here's this, 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 and this. Oh Uh, yeah. The Nymeria stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just to prove it to Allison. Yes, I am paying attention, but I'm, I'm dealing with a lot. So I'm playing it aloof and trying to joke about how I'd love to fly away to uh, across the narrow sea and eat cake all day. Yeah. Um, But Allison's reaction to her joking Mm-hmm. says so much. And I think that every every character in this episode, all the principals get a moment of this is who I am at this point sort of summed up. And I think that that mm-hmm. studying moment where she's upset with her for not taking it seriously uh, and she's perplexed and 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 sort of incensed by her feelings on a prince mm-hmm. that she she's like, you actually, what, you, you feel this way? Like that sort right. of says so much about the way she's grown up pre this show since being a little girl, um, a, a motherless child, which is heartbreaking yeah. and plays in later, you are so endeared to her position immediately, the position yeah. that she's in. And then when she is trying to have a tender moment 
with the father that has made her this way. Mm -hmm. It only lasts about 30 seconds before he gets into machinations mode while she's trying to be a human being. Yeah. And he preys on that Mm -hmm. in his own kid. He knows he has a good kid and he's going to exploit the fact that he has a good kid because he, he says, Oh, well the King will appreciate a visitor. Yeah. And we, you know, we know we've seen the trailers, we know the characters, I'm sure some people are going in completely blind, and yeah. but I doubt the Casterly Talk audience is going in completely blind. So Somebody, we but yeah. know, but it's but it's right away picked up on it in his chambers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, in his chambers, and and then you know we know Olivia Cooks later on and mm-hmm. their relationship and role, and she's perplexed, and Otto pushes her into it, taking advantage of her good nature mm-hmm. that she does care about people and is a good friend and a good person, and then he throws, oh yeah, throw on your your mom's dress too. Yeah. Uh, and not to say that he doesn't care because as Damon will tell you, he cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's that moment of realization of this. This is a really, really just a nice young woman that mm-hmm. just was used as a pawn in a game. And that immediately for me, more so than a lot of our villains, villains, um, mm-hmm. was a moment of humanity that I appreciated there's so much. Some, there's some great Allison moments here of, of how you understand the character and keeping um, what Emily Carey is, was saying in that interview that I, that I saw, keeping that in mind. And some of the stuff Olivia Cook has said, uh, I put it into yeah. the, the Allison to Hightower prep video that came out uh, earlier uh, today, if you're watching uh, uh, at the time of this release. Uh, Olivia Cook saying, hey, I'm playing this character that's like so the opposite of me. I'm this like staunch feminist and and, and want to move forward in a lot of different ways. And and um, Allison is this traditionalist, but it's this tra- traditionalist because of the roles are put upon her. So there's these key moments that I love. Uh, one of during all the violence at the tournament, the jousting, the fighting, the blood and the gore. And with her just gripping this blood grip, uh, picking at her, at, her, at her nails, her hand, just this trying to just, I can't, I don't want to be here. This is not good. I'm, there's nothing about this I like, and I have to sit through it. Because as she says mm-hmm. early on, there's a line she has, it's best get on with it, which is kind of this theme uh, that she's got and that she's she's stuck in this. And there's there's Rhaenyra and Allison. We know they're going to be on opposite sides, but it's to me kind of two sides to approaching the duty, the roles they're in, whether they want to be in them or not, and how they look at it. And we have the tear the page girl who's like, I got it. I want to eat cake and this and that. I know what you're talking about. And, and I, and I'm, I've, I've got a different experience and a different way to approach it. I'm a dragon rider. I'm, I I want to be a knight. And then you got on the other side, I've got to be daddy's girl and I got to be part of the plan and I got to do what's right because blood versus, uh, you know, her, her other duties her other loyalties, uh, is going to be key for mm-hmm. this character. Is is my duty to my my name, High Towers? Is it my duty to my eventual husband and to the realm? And what do I want? And does that factor in at all? And there's this girl just ripping her fingers as she tries to just get through this and best get on with it. I thought it was a powerful look into what she who she is and, and what's going to happen to her and what she will do. Yeah, because she's accepting some of the lessons that Amos speaks to before her death mm-hmm. of what our battlefield is. Um, yeah. Again, just th- throwing in that I I'm a male I'm a male yeah. presenting identifying person, but uh, you know connecting those lessons together. I mean, she's accepted it at a young age, whereas Renera shall not even hear it. <laughs> it's not that yeah. she doesn't understand what the mother's saying, but she wants something different for herself in a way that can't uh, can't exist in this time. Whereas Allison, my interpretation was that she dare not even want something for herself Mm -hmm. Um, because what else, what else? And I think that that anxiety 
is throughout her the entire time, um, throughout mm-hmm. her characterization and presentation. And but yeah. again, still kindness, just yeah. warmth. Because obviously Otto's sending her there um to literally and figuratively well, eventually literally right now yeah. figuratively get it get more in bed with the throne yeah. um but what she chooses to say when she gets there is all on her and the way she chooses to go about that moment yes a rare moment of purity in mm-hmm. a song of ice and fire world game of thrones is that everybody said x y and z to me when my mom died riddles i believe she says yeah and I would have just preferred an I'm sorry. And so I'm, I'm going to give you an I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's the first sort of like Viserys's eyes sort of light up for the first time since the death scenes. And yeah. that meant so much to me to where you can understand almost why that would be his eventual partner. Yeah. 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 And, and, and as uh, you know, it's a little, a little bit of uh, you have some of the icky vibes going on that at Otto. Like, what are you doing, Otto? But a little Tywin Lannister vibes coming off of this there. But I love what you're saying there, that this is a key point. And there's a reason, yeah, Viserys, who uh, doesn't want to hear it. And probably, I don't know, he doesn't necessarily express this, but it's like the moment she's at the door, he might be thinking, oh, damn it, Otto, I know what you're doing or something like that. You know what I mean? He doesn't say that, but it's just like yeah. he, he's used to this game, used to this this world and, and used to those around them, even though I do want to talk about the Damon scene towards the end where I think Damon actually absolutely speaks the truth. But I love what you're saying. That is, this is Alicent on display. Who Alicent is, despite anything that she might end up doing um, and, and, and what she was trained to be, this is her. I've, I've got this task. I'm ripping my nails. Best get on with it, but I'm still going to present my heart. Like we're still going to present who I am right here in this moment. And, and it's, a, it's an endearing moment. I think it's important. Yeah, it's 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 powerful to show viewers what will be snuffed out. You know, that's a yeah. moment that we'll look back on. Oh. Uh, the trailers for this show, a lot of them end, either the trailer spots, Instagram posts, whatever. A lot of them end with the, now they see you as you are from right. Rhaenyra. And it's like, but I know what she is and she was nice. And so yeah. that puts me in a spot. It's so I can't wait to I can't wait to see the story unfold. I'm so intrigued by Allison, perhaps even more than I was a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, this mm-hmm. is a Targaryen show. You get the high tires. I know she's queen, but now and I've you know again I've yeah. read Fire and Blood Volume One. I know, I know, I know. But I think uh, the show taking it off the page has already kind of uh, shown Allison in a different light, at least for me. Uh, because now we even think about that scene, or thinking about Rainey's in, in, in some of the future episodes. I don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't uh, d- taken the dive into the trailers at all. But, you know, it's, again, what do you really want? Your father wants this or wanted this or still wants this. You got his backing, High Towers, the most uh, powerful, uh, uh, you know, most powerful, uh, one of of the most powerful families in the land, Valorans as well, Targaryens, of course, at the top. Um, And then flip side, like, cool, eventually it might be your kid, your sons, uh, Aegon II. And what do you want? And Rainey's kind of saying, you've never thought about it? You never thought about sitting on the throne? And so Allison just having all this on her, again, digging into them nails as she's going to try to get through this and make a decision. Perhaps finally, at one point, make a decision for herself. We'll see. I really want to, I'm really curious how they play that out here on the show versus what I've read so far in Fire Fire and Blood. Absolutely. And and just to sort of, um, you know, back back up a little bit and just to look at the high towers in general, you brought up their status and, mm-hmm. and how they are, they are, they're not dragon fire powerful, but they are extremely influential, extremely uh, intrinsically tied in with the land in old town and all of these important institutions. You get Otto, you get the picture of the fact of the picture of his family, the fact that his wife has passed, um, yeah. which Damon prods him about, which, Oh boy. Oh, what a scene. Yeah. Um, but then 
also his son. You see how he reacts to his son being challenged. You see how he reacts to his son on the battlefield. You see how he sort of gives his daughter a, let's, you know, let him fight. Like he's, he picks his spots. Sometimes he'll step up and, and, you know, try to put someone in his place. He'll make different moves. He talks later on about how, um, because Viserys tries to, rightfully, he tries Mm -hmm. to say, you didn't like Damon in this role or this role or this role. And then you did this. And he says it was a half measure because I was acting based on what I had to do at the time. Yeah. I felt. So Otto is definitely a, um, you know, in, in the same way that Allison gets the Cersei comparison. He is, he is Taiwan-esque. Yeah. But he has a yeah. a measuredness about him that I think uh, will serve him. Yeah. No, I look, for me, Jerry's still out on Otto overall. He, you know, just, I'm, I love watching him uh, so far in this episode. I, yeah, I'm a Tywin fan in a way, which is, and Andres is a Tywin fan too. I would love to have him around for that too. And I know you enjoyed Tywin as well, but just like he's wrong, but he's right sometimes. And it's a weird, it's just kind of weird in this world, in this Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragon world, where sometimes some real, real absolute just rat bastards say some things that kind of ring true. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how much uh, they lean into some of that with Otto there as well. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a strength of, of all the high, uh, high council, all the small council stuff. No, not the high council, the small council. Yeah. Uh, a lot of councils. All of those scenes here, those are my favorite uh, moments. A lot of my favorite moments in Game of Thrones are small council scenes. Yeah. And Absolutely. I loved the scenes in this one. I love the, you get the idea that some traditions were lost over time. Like yeah. Robert Baratheon doesn't care if you put your little sphere in your in your little in your little speed yeah. your little seat uh you yeah. know to mark that that you're present at the meeting that's all gone by the yeah. time of his reign yeah uh, so that was cool to see um they don't need to draw attention to it you're just like oh, that's new yeah but old yeah. um but the scenes there i mean whether it's corliss whether it's Otto, whether it's damon or viserys or mm-hmm. a couple of our other yeah how strong there yeah lord strong yeah, yeah strong yeah. yeah they each of them says something and you're sitting there with your pizza or wings or popcorn or whatever. And you're like, that's a great point. That's a really good point. <laughs> it's not like, wrong. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and if you can do that for every character in a scene, yeah. it's money. It's magic well, where you're like, Oh no, everyone's valid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no. like that. No, I love, I love Corliss already. And I'm with Ace. Uh, Steve, Steve Tucson is already doing such a good job because he's, but he's already, uh, you know, I, I, Jerry's out for Damon on, on me, you know. And again, I, I, I've read the books, I know, but I just how they're playing it in the shows, I'm so intrigued. And, and uh, you know, Corliss uh, is uh, he has my heart, but he could lose it, you know, like what what he does here. So I'm, that actually kind of leads into one of the big themes I want to discuss here, and, and we can go to some places uh, where you want to go as well. Uh, I have this big theme, this big kind of lesson out there of how to keep the peace. And we see that in a lot of different ways, beginning with the Great Council of 101. Jaehaerys I does this to, to try to keep the peace he's had for nearly 60 years through this ruling, uh, through this decision that he lets the, the realm kind of have, of course, this vote that goes down. But this was done by him to be like, hey, this will keep the peace because if, if I don't, war is always, you know, civil war is always kind of brewing. That's one example. Viserys first deals with the burden. Uh, tries to make all happy to keep it, at least early on. And that's kind of the burden because he also knows we learned that big burden at the end. Corliss, there's that great moment. Our, our, our guy Corliss, he starts, the first thing he's talking about is bringing up the threat, uh, which we, we uh, you know, the stepstones and all the stuff going on there, brings up a threat to the realm and no one wants to listen to him. 
No one is really ready to go to real war. They're playing some other stuff going on here. And I love that. And the final one there is 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 leading into some Damon discussion. Those Damon dynamics, as they said. Uh, Damon just using this, uh, hey, rip from the headlines. Extreme violence and brutality. Uh, the concept of fear and power to bring peace. All these different ways and how everyone's struggling to keep the peace. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting point. I mean, you started with Jaharis. Important to note that the spirit of Magor also lingers over mm-hmm. this episode. He comes up in a few conversations, at yeah. least two. Um, uh, and to, so within that context, Jaharis's 60-year peace mm-hmm. was earned. It wasn't inherited. It, it, he's yeah. coming from, you know, yeah. worse days. Um, yeah. And so it's like we keep oscillating between peace and war and destruction and building and all this stuff. And we're finally coming out of a good era can we get another one without doing the same repeat that we've been doing? Yeah. Of course, tying in with the great Targaryen coin flip theme yeah. that is discussed and known to many fans. Um, but, you know, your your point about, about fear, about institutions like the gold cloaks, and, and mm. we see them become the gold cloaks. Become and them. Yeah, yeah. I gave them that. And how the decisions made here about that fear and power reverberate. I mean, I had the thought watching this, and I say this with zero ir- ironic comedy, it is drawing a parallel. This police brutality inside of a fantasy setting, yeah. this is the institution that betrays Ned Stark. This is the same institution. Yeah. And and the, seeing the way that they were established in their current form, yeah. uh, having the impunity that they talk about, that they question, Damon yeah. showing in, what were you saying about my impunity? You want to keep talking about my impunity? Yeah. Uh, and how that ties in with what you're saying about responsibility and power. Uh, yeah. I think Spider-Man said something about that once. A small little <laughs> quote. You might have heard it. Yeah. Um, what happens when people have mm-hmm. uh, this level of ability, whether it's all the way up from dragons down to fantasy police? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how, uh, you know, how, how far will fear get you uh, is, is one of the big questions. And I should mention, too, Otto uh, having a little bit of a take uh, on Damon avoiding Mango the Cruel, which is also his version of keeping the peace. It might be at odds with others. It might be at odds with even Viserys in the end. But but it's it's kind of that as well. And one of those things, again, already, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Otto on this particular subject of what the gold cloaks are doing. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, Damon has some stuff later on I want to talk about that are just like those Count Dooku and Attack the Clones. Like, oh, that is true, though. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why we love it. And, 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 and overall, going back to our, even just an overall reaction to this episode, that's kind of the stuff I felt. Ah, I'm home again. I'm home again. I don't yeah. know which way is up. Yep. It was that that feeling of, oh, OK, we're here. I think that Sapochnik does a great job of bringing us into it with elegance, some yeah. narration, some table setting. Uh, lovely dragon flying. And then she gets off and there's some jokes and she gets in the carriage and. It's all there, and then it hits you with all of these angles. And yeah. I think, you know, to, to connect your theme with something that I was going to discuss about ambition. Ambition is mm. in there, too. Hit me. With yeah. Damon, who, Damon was everything I wanted him to be. He was exciting. Yeah. He was thrilling. He was cool. But there was all this darkness. There was this sinister energy. There was all this stuff. But he's not without feeling. Mm-hmm. He, You believe that he does love them. His yeah, brother, absolutely. Um, which I, which I thought was such a great takeaway. Those two actors 
dynamite together. Matt Smith and Patty Considine mm-hmm. in that scene are doing such a great job. But for me, it was the funeral of Ama and baby Balon. Yeah. He's, he's grieving. He is grieving. He's not there with a smirk. Yeah. He's telling Rhaenyra, it's time for you to do your part. We have to, we have to set these, the deceased to peace and everything. And he's right. not in the brothel causing um, you know, his yeah. infamous brothel incident. He's not there to cause that. He's yeah. there, like he says later, I, I, we all grieve in our own way, or mm-hmm. again, paraphrasing. It's others that rile him up mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. And, and make him brush against the dark side of his ambition, which is not to excuse him because he makes the choices. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But he has the capacity about the choice. to not make them. Well, it's, and so that's what's interesting. It's there's two key points to him, and I, this is exactly where I wanted to go next. So, so great segue. Ambition, ambition. Uh, I made up a song like I'm on a Broadway musical. Ambition, ambition. No, two great Damon scenes because he is uh, he's introduced. It, it's very brutal. The, the gold cloak scene is uh, very real. It's very ripped from the headlines. Uh, he is, you know, we got the introduction of Masari, all that kind of stuff going on with him. He's, he is the rogue prince. He's a little bit of the bad boy. He's riding into town on his motorcycle, right? Is, is he, uh, going to cause, uh, problems, uh, in uh, Stars Hollow for the Gilmore girls? Is he, he's, you don't know. He's just rode in that motorcycle. We're going to find what out. What a reference. There you go. What a reference. A Milo Ventimiglia <laughs> Gilmore reference. <laughs> there you go. I got them all. Um, but two kind of, uh, you know, moments of, of heart from him. You know, Renera is is feeling it. Lost her mother, uh, a brother she uh, had no chance to know. Is not getting any love from her father, who to this point she feels, I'm not a boy, so therefore I've, I've failed him in other, other ways. Um, yeah. And Damon's the only one that offers any kind of comfort. Any kind of comfort. And there's this connection they have. There's also this theme of, uh, you know, I love the idea of blood. Uh, we talk a lot about traditions, but blood overall and they're there. They're the ones speaking old Valerian, right? Or high Valerian, low Valerian. You know, we'll bring in David G. Peterson. He can tell which one he's chosen there. But um, uh, they're 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 speaking the 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 home world tongue there, man. They got the family. They got the blood, and they're the only ones in this episode doing that. And they got that connection. And he's the only one providing her any kind of comfort until you know. Well, I don't even know if this heiress does. Given her, even giving her the, the, the heir to the throne is not necessarily him providing the comfort that she needs in that moment. But then yeah. him speaking to his brother, that's what we're talking about. The stuff he's saying, and, and he's getting, uh, you know, here he is absolutely speaking the truth. And then his path to the throne is removed, which does, you know, speak to his ambition and getting riled up. But I think he's right. I, and I don't know, this isn't saying Corliss is bad or Otto is bad. Uh, you know, Lord Strong maybe. But, you know, he's not wrong about that small council. You're weak. They know it. And they're going after you in their own ways. Viserys has yeah. got to be in the back of his head. Yeah, that's right. Allison is already here. And I don't quote. I'll, I'm the only one that's true. And it's just one of those moments, just when I was completely ready to boo that man. Now I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see where he goes. Yeah. I mean, he's he's standing there. And I I, I put out this tweet because it I can't believe it took this long for it to dawn on me. I've been on Casterly Talk already a bunch of times talking about how much I am excited for Damon. It's because my favorite Disney villain is Scar, the younger <laughs> brother who, yes. of course, uh, you know, it comes yes. from Ham- Hamlet, of course, and it, yeah. it all goes back. Yes. Um, but that archetype of like, I'm your brother, and I feel, and this is, you know, yeah. not to make this Lion King talk, but the, uh, the, the energy of <laughs> I care, from my perspective, I care more than you care. Yeah. And you think I don't care. And that's yeah. the, you know, you've all painted me as he cares of nothing. 
I'm here telling you how much I care. I just care differently. And you demonize me for that. And it's yeah. this, I'm the devil, you know, yes, I'm a rabble rouser, but I'm your brother. And you didn't even consider me to yeah. be your right hand. And yeah. he's making that point. He's making the point that you said about Otto saying words we shan't repeat yeah. um, as he does many times about his own wife too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's cursing everyone out and he, you know, calls Otto a see you next Tuesday. And we're coming off of the scene where we've already seen how he is ready to jump at his grieving best friend very quickly um, with his own kid. So there's so much credence given to everything that Damon is saying, like you said, in a very Dooku attack of the clones way. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a great wrestling meme. There's your wrestling reference of the day uh, of somebody (laughs) yelling in the middle of a promo. Mm. He's got a great point, Sting, talking about (laughs) Triple H. Like sometimes these... (laughs) <laughs> These uh, villains, yeah. they are saying things that are true. And he's right. He doesn't, we can make the assumption he doesn't know about the great evil because he's yeah. not an heir. That's or maybe he does know because he was there for a little bit there um, yeah. for about that nine, 10 years. Whether or not he knows doesn't really matter for the theme here. Yeah. Um, but because it, it's it's just facts. Like we are family. And he's almost calling out his brother's hypocrisy too because mm-hmm. Viserys is supposed to be Mr. Keep the Family Together. And yeah. he's like, but you've cast me out in X, Y, Z number of ways. Well, yeah, because, you know, Damon has the, this This is an even deep cut reference to comedy pop culture. He's got the Jay Leno hiding in the closet listening to the NBC executives talk about whether or not they want him to host the Tonight Show in 91, 92 range. Damon's hiding well, in the closet, uh, uh, getting all, getting the goods. And you got Viserys being very upset at, at those questioning uh, or just even suggesting Damon's loyalty and then that Damon would would go after him, right? So there, there's Viserys, uh, family before you all here, but then he makes this decision or he's leading towards his decision. So, of course, Damon's got to be like, what are you talking about, man? Uh, we are blood. We are blood, uh, old Valyria. And, and, you know, and I love that uh, the... The scene in which he gives uh, Renair the necklace, uh, and, and they both got uh, you know Valerian still, um, and that connection to their family, to their traditions, uh, and to themselves, and and, and mm-hmm. the, to, to themselves being the House Targaryen. So, I don't know. Which, by the way, for our uh, for our repeat viewers, um, I just want to say, if you remember the prop bets, Dark Sister. First Dark, sword. That's right. That's first right. First sword. That's One right. step closer to my chips and salsa prop. Chips and salsa might be on uh, on uh, on me. Um, and still it, plenty to go though. Yeah, it, you know, we had we had. Uh, I wouldn't call it an uncomfortable sex scene. Uh, you know, unless you're uncomfortable seeing uh, Matt Smith's backside, but uh, we, not in our house. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, we. I forget my count. <laughs> I forget my sex yeah, scene count. Yeah. But you, yeah, We're you're on the board our, first. We'll revisit the sheet there um, with everybody's <laughs> scores and predictions. But that did come to, to mind because she says, "Dark sister," like. Yeah, oh, it's Valerian Steel, like Dark Sister. And he's like, yeah, we both have a piece of our ancestry now. Yeah, because um, he, you get the feeling like, look at how passionate both of these brothers are about family, just in different ways. Well, yeah. Um, mm. So, but I'm excited about that because because I love the the, the Damon and, and Rhaenyra kind of looking at uh, House Targaryen, old Valeria. Uh, there's a strength to it. They that they, they speak the language. They got the Valerian Steel, and I think Viserys has that in his heart as well. But how? It hangs over Viserys so differently because he knows this bigger uh, picture, which is just this prophecy from decades ago now, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why, again, going to what he's whittling and carving and, and making out of the stone there, uh, the, uh, obsessed with old right. Valeria, just in a different way than them. And it makes me think, too, about what's another big literary element of prophecy 
mm-hmm. um, prophecy or just of, of destiny and fate, yeah. even if it's not written as self-fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think, you know, we're Star Wars guys. We're always going to connect it to Star Wars. Um, Ray telling Luke, you thought his choice was made for him. It wasn't. Yeah. And the fact that the fact that Luke Skywalker felt, could my nephew become a great evil? Should I stop it? And help push him toward the great evil. You've got Damon Targaryen being accused of being Magor the Cruel in the making. Yeah. That he's just going to be this blight on society. This horrible thing. And he's hearing that and he's like, you know what? I Screw love you. That. <laughs> love that point. That's a great point. It's the Kylo factor. Yeah. Uh, no, I love that point. Uh, you know, Magor's the Cruel. Magor's horrible. And you, you're calling me that. And yeah, again, Damon's done. Already we see in this episode. Not done some things I'm improving of here. As a fan, yeah, but no. but you're right. If you that's you're just so sure, you're so certain that that's uh, that's what I would do. Uh, your small council thinks that, and you kind of maybe agree with them in a way because you don't want me to be the the heir. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Sets it up. Sets it up. Any final big themes in moments? I know uh, we're recording. It's like uh, another time zone for you, and it's real late. Um, but uh, we're having so much fun. Any other big themes jump out to you that we want to discuss? I think that there's an interesting sort of visual. A lot of it is visual because a lot of it is combat, but there's a mm-hmm. storytelling brewing with the themes of hubris and expecting the unexpected and a lot of that classic stuff with the confrontation between Damon and Kristen Cole, mm. where Kristen Cole doesn't get dialogue in this, but mm. he does get the, oh, he's he's Dornish, oh, mm-hmm. he's this and that, oh, he's, uh, he's, he's this unexpected <laughs> factor. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I love the reaction, though. It's like he's Dornish, and there's some some coded language in there about, Oh no. Oh God. He's, right. he's Dornish, but also he's Dornish. Like there's a lot there going on with that. Uh, but oh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, yeah. how the, the, yeah. the, the people that didn't bend the knee, didn't the people the that knee. resisted, yep. uh, the people that we know, uh, later on their mm-hmm. representatives, including Oberon, mm-hmm. um, and how they function and how they, mm-hmm. they are survivors and they are a different sort of mm-hmm. culture and, and I'm not sure how 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 Dornish are you? Yeah, I, mean, are, yeah. I don't know what his details are. Yeah, um, but Kristen Cole is able to get the one up on this guy because mm. he picked his spot really well, and because of Damon's hubris. And that's a very classic thing of yeah. uh, I'm going to gloat and then get yeah. get defeated. Um, yeah. And he's he's defeated twice in a joust and in single combat. And yeah. so that creates even more of a of an insult. And that was just a nice planting of the seeds. That yeah. whole sequence, even before the intercutting of the tragedy, yeah, uh, is full of a lot of those moments. I mean, it's already we are hours out from this debut. Yeah, uh, just a few hours, and, and Corliss and Rainey's whispering and looking at each other is already a meme. Like, yeah. look at this married couple uh, <laughs> sizing up everybody. But yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting thing that. <laughs> That this it's great. This rogue prince yeah. does get does get beat two it's, times. Yeah, it's like every couple at a party, right? That's why you have uh, you go to parties in, in couples, so you can sit there and look at the rest mm-hmm. of the room and go, "Look at all these people." Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I love it. No, very valuable stuff. Love that stuff. And and here, um, I believe both uh, Miguel Sapochnik and Ryan Condal talking about. Yeah, this tourney was a great way to show, hey, quite frankly, some of the Game of Thrones action and violence that you you might be familiar with, and eh, maybe on some level might want to crave. We get it, and it. 
Um, they gave it to us. They gave it to us in a great way. I love even little details. Damon kind of, uh, you know, running on, uh, on, on, on the wood there and falling to the ground, like the sound, everything about it was great. But then using, using it with great purpose, as we discussed earlier, and this, this, this violence uh, and these two different sort of uh, battlefields, uh, great use of it. Great use of it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this isn't a theme thing so much as just like a storytelling choice, but maybe somebody could read a theme into it. Maybe you can. Um, and it, it, it sort of was almost my big negative point for the episode, mm. which was the lack of opening credits. But uh, <laughs> there is already, because I was, you know, yeah. we talked about it. I, we were both excited for our credits. Um, there is already a piece that is running uh, credit to uh, Zoe. Zoe Guy from Vulture ran an article right after mm. that the title sequence is coming next week. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, that they wanted to have a cold open. They wanted to yeah. throw us in that way which I guess does underline a lot of those opening beats. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't thought to, uh, in, in some circles, uh, I've been talking about with Grace, my fiance, uh, uh, actor herself out here in, in H. Wood. Uh, it's not, uh, some pilots don't have the kind of typical opening sequences, obviously different for Game of Thrones. We are right thrown into that map right away. So I had a little bit of that, oh, is that going to be it? But yeah, uh, then at the end, uh, the old credits, the, the classic theme song comes in. I was real happy. And yeah, that, that's good to hear because uh, I, I would uh, I would, I would definitely miss it going forward. But yeah, I think that's great news. No, very big. Uh, oh, and Condal, uh, Ryan Condal saying in the, uh, after the uh, episode uh, featurette, oh yeah, I love prologues. <laughs> It's like, uh, I want to do yeah. a prologue, you know? I want Galadriel telling the story here. Let's, let's do it. And now you got Evadarsa doing it. I love that. 100%. I thought of Galadriel as well. I mean, yeah. uh, and we'll get to her soon. Um, but <laughs> yes, the the whole idea of throwing us in almost in a disorienting type way yeah. to, oh my God, big decision being made already. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know these people. Um, yeah. Then of course we've researched them, but for for new viewers, for any viewers, you're like, oh, who's this king? Oh, he's gone. Oh, no, his reign's at an end. Like, it just sort of throws <laughs> we, you into this, we just this energy. Got here. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's already this regret. There's already this feeling of regret throughout the episode. That's yeah. such a key thing. And I, you know, just to, to, you know, you're talking about final themes we want to get in. I think about regret and I think about that scene even before the Egg on the Conqueror reveal. Mm. When he asks her, you get the feeling that this is his, like, I love my daughter. I just need to know right now, is she queen material? Yeah. I think she is. I need the right answer. And and the way that people approach power, you know, tying all the way back in with mm-hmm. your your big theme of of power and fear, it, it sort of made me think of Tywin and Tommen, what makes a great king. Yeah. He's asking her, why do you, what do you think about dragons? What do you think of? And mm-hmm. she gives the answer, well, I see us. And he's like, no, but what about that? Yeah, he immediately is on her. He needs her to, on pressure. He's being aggressive with her. I yeah. need to see what your gut reaction is, and she says, "Why well, people think of us as this higher thing, and we're really not." And that's the moment when he knows that she's material. I love that it. She's got it. Great way to take our conversation home too. We can finish up on this big theme. Going back to it, it ties into what we're talking about. Ties to this use of this uh, egg on uh, the conqueror prophecy. It's wonderful. I- I'm joking a little bit, but it's almost like she's got. Uh, media literacy skills like she can review a tv show <laughs> and pick up on what's actually there uh i absolutely <laughs> love that 
absolutely love it. Everyone else yeah. is like, "Oh, it's a dragon, make it powerful." And she's like, "No, we're, we, we are we're, we're lies, we're we're tricks." Mm-hmm. Uh, Varys, the spider, is somewhere years in the future is proud of her right here, right now. A uh, small man, uh, or, or in this case, a woman, can cast a large shadow, um, and she understands mm-hmm. both sides of that. I love the moment, and I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's being tough. He's been cold. He has this uh, sea change where he sees her now. And again, how does, in his mind, whether Damon knows or not, that's a great question, lore question of whether he knows this prophecy and he was in the air for a while, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll find out. Maybe we'll never find out. But I love that, that this burden over Viserys, and he's like, who, who's, who best protects this? Mm-hmm. Is it Damon? Is it the Rogue Prince? Or is it her? And I need to see it from her when she gives that answer. Yeah, you're right. I think it's it's yeah. it's it all starts to click, and he finally does something for himself in the in the cell, it being the bigger realm, the Targaryens, everything. But you know, he's right. not listening to the council. He's not. He's going to maybe even against Lord Strong and a lot of the others, Corlys as well, Otto, um, who's got his own designs on the throne from another another angle. You know, um, man, I love that. I think it's a great. It's actually right now. I'll say my favorite scene in the show because it ties it all together. It might be mine as well. Either that or the brother confrontation before the Iron Throne or yeah. one on the yeah. Iron Throne, one yeah. before. Um, but it's that, yeah, it's that idea of like you're saying, I'm thinking about the Rogue Prince or I'm thinking about my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I know what my brother thinks. Even if even if Damon hasn't said, I think I'm yes. a god. If if you take what Rhaenyra is saying, the realm likens us to be above men, to be God, yes. to be godlike, yes. like our dragons. If you're Viserys, you're like, well, I know my brother feels that way. Damon, da- yeah, sir. Damon's on the roof, yeah. going, "I am a golden god." He's almost famous in yeah. here. He's, I am a golden god. And he's going to jump in a pool. Like, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. He's got that that energy. The way that he approaches Caraxes and takes Masaria's hand and is like, "You feel that? Mm-hmm. You feel that?" Mm-hmm. Like you, you did the motorcycle thing. That's like, mm-hmm. hey, babe. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Like, told you vroom, it was rad. Vroom, like, vroom, he's got vroom. that whole energy. Like, this is it. <laughs> Uh, and he rides off while that's all happening, while the episode's ending. Yeah. The reason why he's being cold and aggressive with her is not just because of grief, it is, but it's also because, oh my God, if this kid, who is a fan of my brother, yeah. gives the wrong answer, then I am effed. Yeah. Like, that, like, I can, he feels that because that's the thing is that he loves her. Mm. So does Damon. Marry a little too much. And that's the, the whole energy of, uh, if she gives the wrong mm-hmm. answer, we are doomed because I'm he doesn't know how much longer he has, but he's not a young man. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's that whole idea of if she, if I need to hear purity and I need to hear fallibility and humanity as, as we see all the way through to Daenerys, who, mm-hmm. like Aegon and like Magor, even though she's in the future, lingers over this episode for us. Yeah. We've seen that they are just people mm-hmm. and that Daenerys did struggle and oscillate through those phases of I I am I'm the unburnt I was chosen I walked out of flame I brought magic back all of those very deity-esque traits that she had but she was also this woman of kindness and this mm-hmm. great friend and the breaker of chains and all of those human things yeah and so there's there's that it's not just madness and greatness it is sort of this episode showed me it is also uh, godhood and humanhood, yeah. uh, and humanity, humanhood, humanity, humanhood. Uh, humanhood's a word now. It's, it's like, um, it's like and, 7 a.m. for you. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that she chose well was just so endearing. And I think that, yeah. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Robin Jawadi, 
the yeah. the piano that kicks in when she's being dressed for her big day. Mm-hmm. I was like, give this man the Emmy right now. <laughs> give it to him. I'll it's what, already I'll one I, episode I, in. I tell you what I thought when I heard that those pianos. Get out of the Septa Baylor. Everyone get out of the Sept. <laughs> get out of there. Go. Every time I say that episode, I think it ends differently. Yeah. No, Marjorie, you can warn them in time. Go. Uh, no, it, oh, it's great. Love it. Love it. It's well, great. Um, we've... Uh, uh, we've had a lot of fun discussing here. We can go on and on and on, but we're going to keep going on all season long. Plus, we'll be discussing Rings of Power. Oh, we got tasty themes coming our way, Alden. Any big final thoughts here as we take it home on uh, this look at episode one of House of the Dragon? Yeah, I don't know if I have big final thoughts. Uh, some small final thoughts, uh, things that go without saying but should still be said. Impeccable visuals, beautiful cinematography, costuming to the next level on a show, on a, on a franchise that was already it's, it's a high standard in yeah. so many of those categories. Yeah, high standard. I mean, yeah. Damon alone gets two armor sets here that are <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Viserys, the, the the garb for the funerals, mm-hmm. all of that stuff was great. And we mentioned in our, in our segment uh, with Andres earlier, sort of like the sort of like their winks, but they're more than that with House Baratheon. Yeah, and how they seem to be the not problem house, but the one that isn't afraid to yeah. throw a barb out. The queen, you know, the queen that never was yeah. like right in front of Viserys, like that's Baratheon behavior. That's yeah. a that's a that's a big uh, tough guy move. Yes, it is. Um, so there's a lot of those little nods that I, I appreciated, and it was just I was happy to be back. I was happy to I was happy for small things. I was happy to hear Maesters talk about infections. Yeah, <laughs> I was happy to see infection pus. Oh, right yeah. away we got to that. Yes, yeah, more. Me back to good times. Yeah, maybe think of. Jorah. Yeah, maybe think of Samuel and Jorah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got references to Dondarians and Tarleys and Stokesworths. We got it all. Uh, we absolutely did get it all, but it was uh, a wonderfully deep episode. It had a lot to do, not just to live up to the standards of eight seasons. Uh, whether you love all the scenes or not, doesn't matter. The show has a uh, the previous show is a large shadow uh, cast over all the show, and I think this episode did a great job. Uh, bring it out. Even some of the stuff I said up top of uh, this kind of uh, lack of warmth, it's actually just kind of what it's supposed to do. Just we'll see where it goes and we'll see who emerges. Uh, we'll see whose heart shines through. We'll see some of the humor. I'm sure we'll be there. But this is a, this is a smaller, more intimate, and at times a, a stoic show as it deals with some big, big questions. So, yeah, there you go, Alden. We've done it. We're off and running here. House of the Dragon has begun uh man uh that 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 in the coming weeks teaser trailer there at the end got me excited uh for what's coming uh this is a, a big start to the show so uh so happy to discuss it with you my friend let them know where they can find you uh if they want to keep following you uh, into star wars world yeah you can find me personally on twitter and instagram at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-d-i-a-z talking about star wars we've got potathon coming up 15 star wars podcasts 12 ish hours for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio is on there. So you can follow that show. Uh, it's where I do all my Star Wars stuff. Ken's been on. Ken will be on again because um, yeah. we got some Star Wars TV coming too. We do. And uh, that's going to feature the Ryan Johnson interview as part of Potathon. So check that out. It's going to be great. We're already 15% of the way to the goal, trying to raise 10 grand. Um, maybe it's hubris, but I feel like we're going to crush that. But we can only crush that if people donate to Make-A-Wish incredible cause um so yeah that's what i'm up to right now and then you'll see me as i've already done today throwing things around on the casterly talk twitter yeah Yeah, Um, Yeah. look here's uh you know um uh i've 
I've given Alden passwords. He's signed into things. We'll see what that does. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so happy to have you here. I have Andres here. And other people are going to be in here as well. I said up top, love bringing different voices onto the show, some you're familiar with, uh, maybe some new voices. we got a lot to discuss. Also, during this season, we're going to figure out when to do it. We're probably going to do one this week, so stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at Cashly Talks. So you can get the updates. We'll probably go do like a live a recording of a Q&A uh, a few days after each episode so people can kind of come in and join us and ask us questions uh, as we look back and look ahead to the next episode as well. So we've got a lot of things, a lot of things coming your way here on Casually Talk. Uh, I will have more water so I can avoid the, the, the you know, I've been talking too much kind of feeling in my voice. I'm just so excited today uh, to get to this. A lot of fun being back. I'm Ken Napsuck. You can follow me at Ken Napsuck or go to KenNapsuck.com to find information, other things I do like Force Center, Pop Rock and Radio, or get my book, Why? We love Star Wars. All right. Alden, we've done it. Let's get on out of here. It's Casterly Talk, my friends. We'll see you next time. <laughs>